at one time said, why do you even bring anybody in? You have a good of singers. It's anybody you bring in, which is true, uh, but uh, usually in a revival or something like that, uh, I need a break from preaching sometimes. I just need to sit down and listen to somebody preach. And sometimes people that sing need a break from singing. It does them good just to be able to listen to somebody else sing and teach or whatever it might be. We all need a little break every now and then. Jesus told his disciples to come apart for a little while. Vance Havener said he told them to come apart for a little while. If they didn't, they'd come apart. And uh, a lot of truth to that. Good to have visitors today. Miss Leola's got some family members here with her today. And uh, we're thankful to have them. Brother Don will be coming home this week, the Lord willing. And uh, that's, that's great and wonderful. But I know it will be a lot more on Miss Leola. So we need to pray for her and pray that God will work everything out. Uh, with all that she has need of uh, there. Amen. All right, let's take our Bibles this morning, turn to 2 Timothy chapter number 4 today. I want to preach just a few minutes uh, what the Lord has uh, given me uh, for this morning. doesn't really seem fitting, but I guess it will. If I've, I've preached things that I thought, Lord, they don't even make sense. But I knew how the Lord had give it to me. I felt like He did. So I know the Lord don't give you something that don't make sense. Uh, it makes God sense uh, to Him. It, I'm sure it didn't make no sense when He told Joshua and them march around Jericho and not do anything for seven times around. I'm sure that didn't make no sense. And I'm sure when He told the uh, uh, told the crippled man there in Bethesda to take up his bed and walk, I'm sure that didn't make no sense. Uh, somebody been crippled, uh, so it don't have to make sense uh, to us uh, because God has a sense and purpose in what He's doing. And uh, so, don't think I'm going to preach something real crazy. I'm not, I, uh, but I'm just saying sometimes uh, uh, what the Lord lays on your heart uh, might not seem to fit to you, but it does to Him. Second Timothy chapter four and verse one. Uh, the Bible said, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and at his kingdom, preach the word. Be instant in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. They shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. But once thou in all things endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry, for I am now ready to be offered in the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Do thy diligence to come shortly unto me, for Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is departed unto Thessalonica, Crescens to Galatia, Titus unto Dalmata, only Luke is with me. Take Mark and bring him with thee, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. Thank you. you. may be seated. Our fathers, we come to you this morning 
Lord, we come today and Lord, we ask you to help us today and save us from that one we need saving from the most ourselves. Uh, Lord, help us to not, uh, Lord, follow the depravity of our heart. Uh, Lord, help us to, uh, Lord, that we might walk in your path and we might follow your light. And Lord, we pray you'd help us that we might not complain, but Lord, be thankful for every blessing that God has uh, given to us. And uh, we pray, Lord, as we look to thee this morning, we look to the one that our help comes from this morning. And uh, Father, we thank you for all the ones that, that God in his grace and mercy has enabled him to be in health enough to be able to drive over here and walk into church and sit down to worship God. And uh, fathers, we come this morning, we ask you to remember that which we sometimes forget, that we are but flesh. And uh, Lord, we realize that according to your word, that when we're weak, that's when we're strong. Lord, when we don't seem to know anything, that's when we know something. And uh, Lord, we ask you today to, Lord, to visit that one that Emma talked about that may be here today that's not saved. And uh, they may have been made aware of it, but Lord, the, uh, the time between when they were made aware of it and where they're at today may have caused their heart to be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. But I pray today they might hear your voice once again, and they wouldn't harden their hearts, Lord, but they might respond to the gospel in a positive way and be saved today. Now, Lord, we need to be fed today from your table. I stand, Lord, uh, as the disciples did before you so long ago, and say, Lord, I don't have anything but two loaves and two fishes. Uh, but Lord, if you'll add your blessings to it, uh, Lord, it'll be enough to feed the ones that are here today. And you told uh, one of the last things you said to your, uh, your apostle, uh, Lord, was you said, feed my sheep and feed my lambs. And uh, that shows us that's of utmost importance to God that his sheep and lambs get fed. So help us, Lord, to do that, I pray, and we'll thank you for it. Thank you for the forgiveness of sin, uh, the hope of uh, salvation and the rapture, uh, and uh, being in heaven with you. Now, blessed today, we pray in Jesus' name, amen and amen. I want to look this morning. This is the last book that Paul wrote, of course, and uh, we know, if we know our Bible, we know this is kind of his swan song. And uh, he knows he knows what's coming. Uh, he says that so much in verse six. He said, "For I'm now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand." And so he writes this letter. It's interesting that at the end of Paul's ministry, that he writes two letters: First uh, Timothy and Second Timothy. He writes to Timothy, and uh, in the course of these two letters, he mentions some twenty-nine people. Some 29 people he mentions in these two books, uh, the last two books that he wrote. And uh, they are people that Paul had met along the road in his ministry. And uh, I won't be able to cover them all this morning, but I want to mention about four of these people this morning. And these are people that are found at the end of Paul's ministry that he writes about. And uh, they say that when... A person, you know, comes down to the end of the way. Many times they begin to reminisce uh, over the past years and 
Their mind is flooded. I've been in the room with a many a dying person that began to talk about mom or dad or grandma or grandpa uh, that had been gone for years or brother or sister. And it's like God sometimes uh, just kind of runs your life before you. And uh, I think somewhat of that's what's happening to the Apostle Paul here. And he mentions 29 people that uh, that he thinks about at the end of his ministry. I'm going to give you four of them this morning. And uh, you pray the Lord will help me. Now the first one he mentions is there in verse 9. Not a name's given, but he said, Do thy diligence to come shortly unto me. We know the letters wrote to Timothy. And uh, so we know that he's talking about Timothy here, who he's talking about. And uh, Timothy, as Paul thinks about him, Timothy is the one that Paul rejoices in. He's a rejoicing one. Now, I don't mean that Timothy's rejoicing, though he may be, but I mean that Paul is rejoicing at the end of his ministry that he has a Timothy. And uh, he said, Do thy diligence come shortly unto me. This is Timothy to whom the letter is written to. And Paul rejoices in Timothy. It's kind of like over in the Thessalonians and Paul writes a church there and he says, You are my crown of rejoicing. In other words, it's, a, it's somebody that Paul is one to the Lord. And Paul comes down to the end of his way and Paul is thanking God. You go back to uh, the beginning of this book. Go back to 1 Timothy and Paul says there in verse 2, uh, he said unto Timothy, my son, in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace uh, from God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. You go over to 2 Timothy and Paul says in verse 2, he said to Timothy, my dearly beloved son, grace and mercy and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God, he says. And uh, so Paul is thanking God for a Timothy. Uh, every ministry that has uh, continued for any length of time at all, uh, they all have these people Paul mentioned. They all got some of them in their ministry. And in every ministry that has continued very long at all, thank God there's some Timothys in there. And uh, the Timothys are the ones that make you rejoice. Amen. Uh, the Timothys are the one that you look back over and you realize that God used you to win them to the Lord. Uh, and, uh, and you're thankful. And like Timothy, he's went on to do good. And, and Paul is thankful for him. Now, I want to say about three things about Timothy, and I'll move right along. But I want to say that Paul, I believe he was thankful for the family that Timothy come from. You see there where I read in verse 3 of 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 3, he said, I thank God whom I serve from my forefathers with pure conscience, that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of thy tears, that I may be filled with joy. I believe what that's probably talking about is when Paul had to leave Timothy. When Paul had to go on and leave Timothy behind, I believe old Timothy was standing there wiping tears off his face because they were going to have to part. And so he said, I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day, 
greatly desire to see thee, being mindful of thy tears, that I may be filled with joy. Now why is he filled with joy? When I call to remembrance the unfringed faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded in thee also. Amen. And so Timothy had a real good family. Now not everybody has a good family. Uh, not everybody has a Christian mom and dad that loves the Lord, saved, uh, reads the Bible, goes to church. Not everybody has that. Now that don't mean that you can't get saved and uh, you can't go on and you can have a good family and you can do different what your family did. Uh, uh, but Timothy just happened to have a real good family. And uh, Paul first mentions there and he talks about his uh, grandmother there. And he talks about how his grandmother had faith in God. Thank God for everyone that had a good, godly grandmother that knew the Lord. Amen. And the Bible said, listen, if you, if you got grandkids and you know the Lord and you're serious about serving God, uh, uh, your grandkids don't know how blessed they are. Amen. Uh, uh, you say, why? Because I guarantee you without any shadow of a doubt uh, uh, that you pray for them every day of your life uh, uh, if you're like Timothy's grandmother. And uh, it seemed like that she may have been the first one uh, uh, to get saved in the family. Uh, she may have got saved uh, uh, when Paul was somewhere. We're not really told in the Bible where it was at. But when we read through the Bible, we can find some connections there uh, at Lystra and other places uh, uh, that kind of tie her in. But needless to say, there was a place and a time when she got saved. Uh, and uh, when she got saved, she was probably the only one saved uh, at the time that she got saved. Uh, uh, like many people, when they get saved, they're the only one saved. Uh, uh, but the Bible said that she got saved and also uh, Eunice that also her daughter uh, that somewhere she got saved. Uh, uh, now, I, I'm just imagining this, but I think she got saved. Uh, and when you get saved, the first thing that happens is you get a burden uh, uh, for people that are not saved. Uh, especially people uh, uh, that are in your family. People that uh, that are close to you, amen. Uh, and uh, I think his grandmother, she probably got a burden uh, and uh, she began to witness to her daughter and talk to her daughter and pray for her daughter. Uh, and uh, lo and behold, there came a day when her daughter got saved uh, uh, and embraced the faith of her grandmother, amen. Uh, uh, well, we know that Timothy wasn't saved. Uh, uh, we know Paul said here that uh, the same faith that dwell in your mother and in your grandmother. But we know from Bible study, uh, we know where Paul first met Timothy. Uh, in Acts chapter 16, the Bible said in verse 1, Then came he, that means Paul, to Derba and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timotheus, the son of a certain woman, which was a Jewist and believed, but his father was a Greek. Now here we have a young boy named Timothy. You say he was a disciple. A lot of people are disciples that are not saved. They're learning about the Lord. They're trying to learn about the things of God. But he lived in a home that his mother was Jewish 
and his father uh, uh, was Greek. Uh, uh, if you will, it's kind of a mixed home he come out of. Uh, uh, but as you read the Bible, you know that Paul kind of uh, took him under his wing. Uh, and, uh, and the reason I think that Paul was the one that led him to the Lord uh, is because like I've already read to you, uh, Paul says in different times in these letters, uh, he says in Second uh, Timothy 1 and verse 2, My dearly beloved son. Uh, uh, well, he's not his son physically, and uh, I think he means his son in the Lord. Amen. And uh, we find in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 1, and uh, Paul says there in verse 2, Unto Timothy, my son, a little bit plainer, in the faith. Uh, and uh, so I think Paul, uh, he led Timothy to the Lord. Uh, uh, did you know that if you have been blessed enough to be used of the Lord, to lead somebody to the Lord, uh, uh, that person has a special place in your heart. Uh, amen. Uh, I know that uh, Bill Gillock, bless his memory this morning, uh, and, uh, and Bill and his wife, I know they had a special place in Mike Gibson's heart and in Greg Bailey's heart because they led them to the Lord. Uh, and the feeling was mutual also about them. Amen. Uh, uh, but I want to say this morning, look, I want to say that there come a day uh, uh, when that the grandmother had faith, the daughter had faith, uh, and uh, Timothy had faith. Uh, and I believe that Paul led him to the Lord, took him under his wing, uh, uh, began to teach him, began to uh, uh, indoctrinate him, began to help Timothy. And of course, we know later on that somewhere down the way uh, that he answered the call of God to preach. Uh, and so I think that he was thankful for uh, the family of Timothy. Now, we're not told too much about the father of Timothy other than what we're told in Acts 16 uh, uh, and in verse 1. Uh, and we know his father was a Greek. Uh, and uh, most things you read after and study after, they all say that they believe that uh, Timothy's father probably died uh, uh, somewhere along the way because he's not mentioned anymore. Either he died uh, or he uh, didn't follow the faith or something happened. He dropped out of the picture. You just don't read about him no more. But you know who his spiritual father was? It was Paul. Uh, uh, Paul said, my son in the faith. Amen. Uh, uh, it's good to have a good earthly father. Thank God for him. Uh, uh, but I tell you, it's good to have a spiritual father. Amen. Uh, uh, somebody that can take you under the wing. Uh, and uh, help you with spiritual matters and spiritual things. Uh, and no doubt that uh, Paul had spent a lot of time with Timothy, uh, and he comes down to the end of his ministry and is rejoicing. He said, thank God uh, uh, for Timothy. Uh, he's out there doing the work. Uh, uh, he stayed by the stuff. Uh, thank God for Timothy. And he's thankful for Timothy's faith. Uh, he said, when I call to remembrance the unfringed faith that is in thee. Now that word unfringed, uh, uh, that word means genuine. Uh, that word means sincere. Uh, uh, that word means real. Uh, that word means true. Uh, in other words, uh, he's saying thank God for somebody uh, uh, that's got a real, genuine, true faith in God. Uh, and uh, Timothy 
with the unkept of faith, so to speak. Uh, he wasn't like the little girl that went to Sunday school and they gave them them little Sunday school cards like they used to do. Uh, I, I've got some of them I bought, you know, just to have kind of an antique type thing, but they'd give them a little Sunday school card. Uh, and that day they give her a little Sunday school card uh, and on that Sunday school card was Mark 11.22. Uh, uh, you say, what does Mark 11.22 say? Uh, it says, have faith in God. Uh, and that little girl started home uh, and uh, got in the bus and uh, the windows were down. She was holding her little card uh, uh, and the wind blew the card out of her hand uh, and she said, stop the bus, stop the bus. I've lost my faith in God. <laughs> Can I tell you a lot of people need to stop the bus? They've lost their faith in God. Amen. Well, we see, thank God for some Timothys. Every, every ministry's got a Timothy or two in it. If you got one, you ought to thank God. But then the Bible says there, right on down there, we just follow along, verse 10 of chapter 2, uh, chapter 4, 2 Timothy. For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present evil world. Uh, uh, now, if Paul, if Timothy is the one that caused him to rejoice, uh, uh, then Demas is the retreating one. Amen. Uh, I, I want you to know, listen, I'm sure Demas uh, is not the only retreating one uh, in all the years of Paul's ministry, uh, uh, but he is one. Amen. Uh, uh, you see, Demas, uh, at one time, he was really involved uh, uh, in the ministry of Paul. You go back and read in your Bible and you'll find his name a couple times back there that Paul mentions Demas. Uh, did you know there's some folks uh, uh, that can be really involved in the ministry and really a part of the ministry uh, but at some point down the road uh, uh, they don't cause you to rejoice because they have retreated uh, uh, from the, the work of God. Now I'm not talking about somebody that like Timothy went somewhere else and pastor or Titus that went somewhere else and pastored. Uh, uh, but we're talking about somebody like Demas uh, uh, that Paul said hath forsaken me having loved this present evil world. Uh, now I want to show you something about Demas over in Colossians chapter 4 and I want you to look here about verse 7 and the Bible Paul is writing there and Paul mentions uh, Tychosius there in verse 7 who is a beloved brother and a faithful fellow servant in the Lord. Look at verse 9. With Onesimus, a faithful, beloved brother. Uh, look at verse 10. Articus, my fellow prisoner. Uh, Marcus, that would be John Mark. Marcus' sister, son to Barnabas. Look at verse 11. And Jesus, which is called Justice, who are of the circumcision. Verse 12. Eratipus, who is one of you. Uh, look at verse 14, Luke the beloved physician and finally listed there at the very end uh, and Demas greet thee. And so we find there that uh, Demas uh, is mentioned there in the work of the Lord. We can go over to the little book of Philemon and we'll go over to the little book of Philemon and he's mentioned right at the very verse uh, at the end. Now, uh, he's not mentioned at the end, uh, uh, but he's mentioned right before the last one is mentioned at the end. Uh, 
In other words, he was around a whole lot of good people. He was around a lot of good preachers. He was around a lot of good praying men. He was around a lot of really saved men. I said all that, say this. You can be around good preaching. You can be around good Christians. You can be around good brethren. You can be around people that are really dedicated to God. But if you don't watch your heart every second of the way, you can find your heart being stolen and you can find yourself retreating from the Lord. Amen. Now this may not be the case. This is just my thinking. So I'm not saying it's Bible. But I notice that every time Paul mentions Demas, he puts him down there at the very end. One writer said in that list that I just read you, he said it's almost suggestive at the way Paul mentions Demas that he's already suspecting something. He's already thinking Demas is not all in this like he needs to be. Did you know many times as a pastor over 40 years, I've watched people get ready to leave the church a year before they ever left. They start letting up on this. They start not doing this. They start complaining a lot. And the next thing you know, they have gone. Amen. Well, I don't know, but I notice that Paul, he mentions Demas at the end every time. Maybe Demas was that kind of Christian. You had to always pat him on the back. You had to always be lifting him up. And if you mentioned somebody singing and you didn't mention his or somebody's preaching and you didn't mention his or somebody's teaching and you didn't mention him, maybe that little old bug that we call jealousy, maybe that got in his heart. I don't know. Maybe that's what happened. I don't know. The Bible doesn't really say. It just says he hath uh, forsaken me having loved this present world. Uh, Now in Philemon 1 and 24, Paul says that Demas is a fellow labor. Amen. Uh, In other words, he got right in there with them. I believe believe Demas was saved. Uh, I believe that because at the time Paul was serving God, uh, it cost you something to serve God. Uh, uh, Maybe about like a time we may be entering in here in two or three years from now. Uh, But it cost something to serve God. And that may have been the reason that he left to start with. I do not know. But I know he was a fellow laborer of the Lord. Amen. I see his fault is mentioned to me here in Second Timothy 4. He said, having loved this present world. Amen. Well, what do you love about the world? Amen. I don't know. Maybe love worldly riches. Because in the same letters that Paul writes and mentions his name, Paul warns about those who would be rich. Amen. He said, many have pierced themselves through and causing themselves many hurts. Amen. Now, if you get rich, God bless you. Amen. If you get rich, I'm all for you. Just pay your tithe. Amen. But I'm all for anybody being rich, uh, and that's no problem there. Some people just have a nick for making money. Mine's always been for spending it. But 
Uh, they, some people just have a neck for making money. They can uh, make money off anything. Uh, uh, nothing wrong with that. More power to you. Amen. Uh, uh, but if your mind said, if all you think about, if all your endeavors are geared to getting rich, uh, uh, the Bible sends out a warning there. Uh, and the Bible said, be careful because many uh, have tried to be rich and pierce themselves through with many evils. Amen. Uh, I know a lot of people play the lottery. I know nobody here does. But I know there's a lot of people that plays the lottery. I only played it one time in my life and I really didn't play it. I was preaching a sermon on the devil and the traps of the devil and one of the points was a lottery. And I've always, usually I see lottery tickets laying around on the road, especially around these minute marks uh, in the garbage can. I looked all week and I could not find one lottery ticket anywhere. So finally Saturday night I was running out of time. And I went over to the minute mark and I watched, sat out there till everybody left. There wasn't nobody in there but me and the woman. And I went in there and I said, what's the cheapest lottery ticket you got? She said, a dollar. I said, I want one. But I said, I want you to know that I'm not playing the lottery. I need this for a sermon I'm preaching tomorrow night. She's like, yeah, all right, you know. <laughs> I think I still got that lottery ticket. It's probably a million dollar winner. But I never did scratch it off. I never did see. Because that stuff can be a trap of the devil. I watched a man I worked with at the factory for years when that lottery first come out, he got hooked on that stuff because the worst thing that could possibly ever have happened to him happened to him. The first one he bought, he won $300. He's probably spent $3,000 before he lost his job uh, because he got to messing so much. Amen. And uh, so I don't know, but there's worldly riches out there. Maybe his problem was a wily woman. Because in the same book, he says, flee youthful lust. Maybe that's what the problem was. I, I don't know. Maybe it was a worldly word. Maybe he got mixed up in the wrong teaching, the wrong preaching, the wrong kind of ministry. Maybe he got mixed up in the prosperity gospel. Amen. Maybe that's what the problem was. Because in this same book, Paul says, preach the word. Uh, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort. Uh, uh, because a time will come that they will not endure sound doctrine. Maybe that's what the problem was. You see what happened to him? I don't know. Something happened to him. You say he loved God, he helped Paul, he served Paul. Yeah, but something happened to him. I'll use the illustration Remy gave me last night. She'd been out in the building playing with her grandma all day and she brought in these boxes of toys that had been out there for since fall and she brought them in and set them down and when she set them down, first of all, there was a little ladybug crawled out of there. And I run and got this magnifying glass that I'd got in the mail and I got down there and I said, look, Remy, I said, look, you can see his spots, his colors, you can see his eyes. And she said, don't kill him, Papa, don't kill him, I love him. I said, I'm not going to kill him, I just wanted you to see it. And I went in the kitchen, I come back, and she'd got a wooden coaster off of the coffee table, and she went. <coughs> I said, I thought you loved him. 
She said, I changed my mind. <laughs> so sometimes people just change their mind, amen. Uh, whether it's for good or whether it's for bad. I do not know what the problem was. Uh, if we just go by the text here, uh, we can let our imagination run wild. Uh, the text just says, Demoth hath forsaken me, having loved this present evil world. Amen. Amen. He loved the world more than he loved God. Right. Well, I've, I've seen some go with riches. Uh, they left the church for a job making a little bit more on air. And wound up losing their family and everything else. I've seen some leave because of worldly women. They love them more than they love God. I've seen some leave because of a worldly word. They got mixed up in the wrong teaching, the wrong uh, beliefs, and they left the church. Amen. And so I see Timothy there, and Timothy is the rejoicing one. I see Demas there, and he is the retreating one. Somebody said, Brother Rick, if you had all the people that had ever come to this ministry since it started, the Glasgow Baptist Church off the square wouldn't hold them all. I said, that's true of about any ministry that's been in business for 40 years. Amen. Uh, you have a lot of people to leave. Dr. Sheets used to always say that a church needs a reviving door on the front uh, uh, because some come in one door and they go out the next. Amen. Uh, but I want you to know you can feel it. You can feel it in, in Paul's words. Uh, he says, Demoth hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. Here this old man of God is, uh, has given his life to the work of God, uh, has started churches, one people to God, uh, and now he's there in a Mamertine prison, uh, and news comes to him, hey, Demas is gone. Uh, he's left us. He went to Thessalonica. You say, what was so good about Thessalonica? It was a metropolis of a city. It was one of the biggest cities of that day. You say, why would a man go to a place like that? Because if you've ever lived for God, preached the Word of God, sung, taught, you've ever been known for doing those things, you don't want to go out into a world where that everybody you run into is going to know you. Amen. But you want to move to a big city somewhere where you can lose yourself in the crowd and nobody knows you. And so Demas has gone. Demas is gone. Timothy's the rejoicing one. Demas is the retreating one. But look at verse 11. Only Luke is with me. This is a tremendous blessing to any evangelist or pastor or preacher. They look back and see somebody that's been with him all the way down through. They've stayed through the thick and the thin. Uh, they stayed when others left. Uh, uh, they stayed when uh, charges were being made or people got angry at the preaching. They stayed. Uh, and Paul said, Luke's with me. You can almost see Paul as he's talking about demons. Uh, and all at once, God pets him on the shoulder and says, and he looks over there and Luke's there and he said, Luke is with me. Uh, did you know God's got a way of encouraging people? Amen. Uh, and God says, Paul, you still got Luke with you. You say, well, what's Luke? Well, first of all, Luke is the first, the first. Uh, if you like to keep up with first things in the Bible, Luke is the first medical missionary. 
He's a doctor. In a day when there is no urgent care, in a day when there's no uh, Baptist hospital, in a day where there's not much medical means, in a day when there's no Medicare, in a day when there's no Obamacare, in a day when nobody cares, and people still got sick, the Apostle Paul said, Luke's with me. Man, what a blessing. God give this traveling evangelist, God give him a doctor to go with him everywhere he went. Everywhere he went, he had a doctor. Why, I'm, I'm sure that Paul said, Paul said, Luke, uh, he said, Timothy's having a little stomach problem. What do you think we ought to do? He said, tell him to take a little wine for his stomach's sake and his often infirmities. Paul had some kind of a medical condition, a thorn in the flesh. Could have been his eyes, probably was, but a lot of different theories out there on that. But Paul had a medical missionary with him. Amen. A medical missionary. Brother Broughton has a doctor in his church, Dr. Dixon. And what a blessing he's been. They have a camp meeting, somebody gets sick, Dr. Dixon. He's the one who takes care of them. Amen. One year they had camp meeting up there and uh, Durbin, he had never met Dr. Dixon. And Durbin wasn't feeling real good so they made it up. And they got him over to Dr. Dixon's. He went in and he took, uh, he went in, they called him in, Durbin went in and they took his temperature and the doctor went, Lord have mercy. So what's the matter? He said, well your temperature's way over 100. You feel all right? He said, he looked at him and said, man, you look awful. Run a few more tests, listen to his heart, and he said, man, your heart, it's just beating all kinds of ways. Durbin's scared to death. The doctor said, I know what to do. said, the nurse, go get me that syringe. And she come back in with a syringe about that long. Nervin said, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute. And all the preachers were in the doctor's saying they all begin laughing. But Dr. Dixon has been a wonderful blessing. He's helped me. Uh, he, he helped a lot of people that go to camp meeting. Amen. God bless me with some doctors in the church that have been a blessing down through the years. Amen. They've helped me and my wife some, helped her kids some, was trying to raise them. And so I know that his position of being a medical missionary was a real blessing to Paul. But then, Paul's personal gift, he not only had the ability to do medical stuff, but God had gifted him and God used him to write two books of the Bible. He wrote Luke and he wrote Acts. And he's an awful good writer. I'll be honest, my favorite gospel of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, my favorite gospel is Luke. Luke is what we call a preacher's gospel. I think I preach from every single chapter out of the book of Luke. It's just a preacher's preacher's book. Uh, uh, he puts Luke 15 in there, and uh, that book right there would not hold the sermons that's been preached out of Luke 15 alone. Uh, 
Uh, God uses him and God gives him. Uh, boy, it's a blessing in the ministry, but you got people that God is gifted uh, uh, to do things. Amen. Uh, uh, God has gifted people to play the piano, uh, lead the singing, sing specials, teach Sunday school. Uh, God has gifted people, and what a blessing that is. Amen. Uh, what a blessing that is. And Paul says, Luke's with me. He's a doctor. Luke's with me. He's got a gift to, to write things. And the Holy Ghost moved on him and he just wrote it down there as the Holy Ghost gave it to him. But then his personality. You know, some people can teach and preach and sing. I hate to say it, but it's got a rotten personality. Amen. I mean, they're gifted in that way, but Nobody likes them. You have to deal with it. I hear about 40 people out there saying, Lord, is it I? <laughs> but Luke had a wonderful personality. You say, how do you know that? Because of what Paul wrote in Colossians 4 and verse 14. He said, Luke, the beloved physician... In other words, he's saying everybody loves Luke. Amen. I, I, there's people in the church that I can call their name. They'll say everybody loves him. I, I, everybody likes him. I, I, well, Luke just had that kind of a personality that Paul could say he's the beloved physician. Everybody loves Luke. Amen. And so Luke is that remaining one. Thank God for those that remain. Amen. Oh, what I see this morning's uh, don't mean to overlook anybody, but Linda Reese back there. Do you believe she is the first person to ever get saved in Bethel Baptist Church? Up on the square. What a blessing that was. You say why? Because she had a lot of brothers and sisters. How many did you have? Eleven? Boy, I exaggerate when I tell it, I say twenty or eighteen. Had a lot of cousins though and stuff like that. But she got saved and every week it seemed like she'd get one of them to come with her and they'd get saved. We had people saved, seemed like every week for months and months and months. Uh, you say, why? Because God saved somebody that had 11 uh, brothers and sisters and a lot bigger family than that. Uh, and God knowed we needed somebody to get saved uh, uh, that had a lot of lost people so they could get saved. Uh, uh, amen. Uh, and uh, so here it is. Uh, going in my 40th year pastoring this church, and there she sits. Remaining one. Now, Sister Wanda, she, she's still here. She's not able to come a lot, but she's still here. But thank God for them that remain. Amen. Now look here, verse 11 again. Right after Luke, he says, Luke is with me. Take Mark and bring him with thee, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. Now, while in every ministry there's a Demas, retreating one, thank God that in every ministry there's some John Marks. You say, what's John Mark? He's the returning one. He left, but he came back. 
You can uh, look at his past and more than likely John Mark, uh, according to the way I read it in the Bible, more than likely John Mark was a convert. He was won by the Apostle Peter. You say, why do you say that? Last book of 1 Peter, chapter 5 and verse 13, he said, the church that is in Babylon elect together with you salutes you and so doeth Marcus my son. Marcus is John Mark. And he says like Paul did, my son. So there's every indication that Peter was the one that led John Mark to the Lord. Amen. And so John Mark got in there. Now somewhere along the line, John Mark, he met a man named Barnabas. Barnabas is full of the Holy Ghost. Barnabas is an encourager. Oh, Thank God for the encouragers that try to encourage other people. And so they went on this little mission trip. The church at Antioch, the Holy Ghost told them send Mark or send Paul and Barnabas on this little mission trip. And so they did. And so they went on this little mission trip. And they went, the Bible said there in Acts 12 verse 13, or chapter 13 verse 6, and when they had gone through the island under Papus, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew, whose name was Bar-Jesus. Now, the Bible says there in verse 5 that when they left, it said, and they had also John, John Mark, to go with them, to minister. He's a, probably a young man, young convert. And they got out there and they got to preaching. And they run upon this sorcerer named Sergius Paulus, a prudent man who called for Barnabas and Saul and they desired to hear the word of God. And so they, they brought this man, Sergius Paul brought this man in or he come in named Elamus and he was a sorcerer. For his name by interpretation withstood them seeking to turn away the deputy from the faith. So here's one, he's trying to turn away people from this faith that Paul and Barnabas is preaching. And it got pretty rough. Sometimes a ministry can get pretty rough. Somebody said, well, if somebody hits you, you're supposed to turn the other cheek. Yeah, but like uh, I think it's Whitfield, one of them said years ago, it don't say what to do after that. You turn it one time, they slap the other one. Somebody else might be getting their jaw slapped. Amen. Ministry get pretty rough sometimes. Now we've always been blessed around here. We've had some rough times, but uh, usually hadn't got too rough. There's one night a guy stood up and I called him down. He'd make five of me. He could have broke me in pieces, twisted me up. I, and uh, he stood up and he was talking about his family that was sitting up here. And I said, sir, sit, sit, shut up and sit down. He could have run down that aisle and stopped me and beat me to death. But when he moved just a little bit, not coming this way, there's about four or five men that moved also. I had a guy one time, I loved him, great guy. Loved him, loved his wife. We had prayer meeting one night, and uh, Saturday night prayer meeting. We got done praying, walked back there to the door, and the police light was going out there, and I said, hey, look guys, police out here doing something. And they had some man with his arms behind him, face down on the blacktop. 
And I said, ain't that something? We stood around and talked a while. They loaded him up and left with him. I didn't know who it was. I got home. My phone was ringing. It was his wife. She said, Brother Rick, are you okay? I said, well, yeah. Well, I just come in from prayer. She said, my husband's drunk. He left the house and he said he was coming over there and he was going to beat you up. I said, I think he got intercepted. And right after talking to her, the phone rung and it was him. He got one phone call down at the jail. Guess who he called? Well, the next Sunday morning, that was Saturday, next Sunday morning after church, I went to the jail and waited for him out in the parking lot till they released him. And he come out there and hugged me and, and the problem was all over. Amen. I'm just saying that sometimes the ministry can get rough. But if you're where you need to be, God will intervene. Amen. So it got rough. This young man had never seen nothing like that. He thought it was all, uh, oh, what a fellowship, oh, what a joy divine. He thought it, he actually thought everybody in the church loved each other. I mean, he thought it was a joy, joy, joy down in my heart. But he found out it was some out there wasn't that way. And he got a little nervous. He got a little scared. And he said, "I'm out of here." And he went back to Jerusalem. Now Barnabas, he was an encourager. And Barnabas, uh, he had a little more grace about this situation than Paul did. You get over there in Acts 15, verse 36, they decided to go on another little missionary journey. And some days after, Paul said unto Barnabas, Let us go again, visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and have seen how they do. And Barnabas determined to take with him John, whose surname was Mark. And Paul thought not good to take him. Paul said, no, we don't need to take him. Verse 39, and the contention was so sharp between them. Did you know that brothers and sisters in the Lord can have sharp contentions? Amen. It's all right to have them. Just don't live with them the rest of your life. I guess one of the sharpest contentions in the Bibles in Galatians when Paul withstood Peter because of his hypocritical ways and he had been sitting with Paul and them teaching grace and gospel of grace and then when the, when the others come in he went over and sat with them. He's trying to play both sides of the thing and Paul withstood him face to face. But if you'll read over there in 1 Peter 5 in the last chapter there and the last verse there, Peter says, our beloved brother Paul. They got over it. It's alright to have disagreements, but get over it. Amen. Verse 39, Acts 15, 39, and the contention was so sharp between them, they departed asunder one from the other, and so Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus, and Paul, he chose Silas. So we see his past. He was probably won to the Lord by Peter. He went on a missionary trip with Paul. 
and Barnabas, he got uh, something happened and he he quit, he dropped out of it, he went back. Uh, uh, that's where he was. Uh, but here in our chapter that we have before us today, we see his present condition. He's back with them again. Because it says, bring Mark with you. He's back with them again. You know, sometimes if you can handle it right, I've learned this over 40 years of preaching, that you can have strong contentions in the church with somebody. But if you handle it right and, and you get through it, you work through it, your, your band together will be tighter than it ever was. And I've learned this, Dr. Sheets learned me this, that when people leave the church, leave the door open and leave in such a way, let them leave in such a way that if they want to come back, they can. In other words, they wouldn't come back if you called them every name in the book and, and all that kind of stuff. They wouldn't come back. And I'd say in a ministry our size, our size ministry, I'd say we've had as many to come back as any church out there. A lot of people have left, but a lot of people have come back. Amen. And did you know that sometimes when people come back, they're better than they was the first time they was there? I know a whole lot of people that went down in the far country and they were saved like the prodigal son but never did do nothing but complain. But when they got down there in the far country, they learn a few things and when they come back, they never did leave no more. You know why? They knew what, they knew what side their bread was buttered on. His past, his present condition is he is back with them again. Paul says, bring Mark. He's profitable unto me for the ministry. At one time, he was a non-profit ministry. But now he's got back right with God and God said bring him because he's profitable to me for the ministry. Amen. The praise of Paul. The praise of Paul. So we got the rejoicing one. That's that one that got saved. Timothy. We've got the retreating one. That's that one Demas said went away for whatever reason. We got the remaining one. Luke's still with me. And we got the returning one. Amen. When people return, we ought to rejoice. That's what that prodigal son's father did, didn't he? His brother, most people act like his brother act. But we ought to rejoice when people come back to the Lord, make things right with the Lord, want to reunite with the Lord. We ought to rejoice. Amen. People weep, leave. We ought to weep. I've heard preachers say they look better leaving than they did coming. I've never had anybody leave that I thought that about. I used to think, and I used to think that if a person, if they had trouble before they got here, I didn't even want them. I'm going to tell this on myself. I've even prayed, God, don't let them come over here. I got enough problems. But I always say, Lord, if you think I can help them, send them on. Amen. Amen. Right. A lot of times I find out 
They wasn't sent on so I could help them. They were sent on so I could help me. You say, why? I had to do a whole lot more praying. And the classic example of that, and I'll close with this. Come here, Mary. Classic example, Mary, little Mary and her husband Mike, they moved down here from Chicago. They come a few weeks and Mary and Mike said, I, we want to join the church. I opened the church on Sunday night and Mike started down the aisle and Mary started down the aisle. She got about right there where Brother David is and she had on a t-shirt that said, here comes trouble. Here comes trouble. I said, how many votes for Mary to join the church? Every hand went up. Any opposed? But she turned out to be a great blessing to the church and to our family. Amen. And so, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, that there's a lot of different kinds of people in the ministry of a person and they all have their place. Amen. Amen. All right, let's stand if you would please. Our Father, we come today